David Allen writes in his book, Getting Things Done. It's a national bestseller. Uh, it's on the art of stress-free productivity. It's a book I highly recommend. He writes, Almost everyone I encounter these days feels he or she has too much to handle and not enough time to get it all done. Feel that way? A paradox, he writes. A paradox has emerged in this new millennium. People have enhanced quality of life, but at the same time they are adding to their stress levels by taking on more than they have resources to handle. It's as though their eyes were bigger than their stomachs, he writes. And most people are to some degree frustrated and perplexed about how to improve their situation. Are you frustrated and perplexed? Is there just too much on your plate, as we say? Is there just too much going on and you just don't seem, how am I going to get all this done? There's just too much. How many of us have made a decision, good or bad? And now that we've made the decision, good or bad, we've got to live with it, don't we? The world is moving so fast. And it seems the decisions that we do make, good or bad, are rushed decisions. And a rushed decision may do no harm in the line at McDonald's. Or a rushed decision may do no harm when you're trying to pick out shampoo at the, at the grocery store. But when making those big, those, those big life-changing decisions about job, about family, about school, career, eternity... When making those big life-changing decisions, a rushed, happy meal decision is what we usually choose. And then we're left wondering, as we live with our life-changing decision, could I have made a better decision? Could I have made a better choice? Jesus made a lot of decisions that we have recorded in the Gospels, big and small. And I picked one major decision that Jesus made, a decision that had far-reaching, long-term effects. And and this decision also met many short-term goals as well. In this decision of Jesus, I found eight principles for making good decisions. We need to learn how to make better decisions. And Jesus is the perfect model maker for this. The big decision Jesus made and and will be used for our model is found in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke where Jesus had to make the huge future-affecting decision of choosing the twelve apostles. The principles and decisions are found in Matthew chapter 10, as you see on the board, verses 2 through 4, Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19, And Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 19. The first principle that we can see is to pay attention. Eight principles for making good decisions, and the first one is to pay attention. A decision has to be made. Right? 
We've got a decision to be made, and a decision doesn't get made or it gets made in a rush a lot of times because we don't pay attention to the fact that a decision has to be made or if you're like me, you're too lazy to pay attention. That's a lot of my problem sometimes. A book like Getting Things Done has helped me capture decisions to to make them earlier and knowledge is huge in making a big decision. You know, we need to have as much knowledge as we can before we, we make the decision that we've got to make. And, and first, though, we've got to pay attention. We've got to pay attention and be aware that decision, a decision has to be made. Jesus was aware of his decision to pick the apostles. Luke writes in chapter 6, verse 12, And it came to pass in these days. Events come to pass. Conversations come to pass. But over and over and over in the life of Jesus Christ, prophecies came to pass as well. You know, I, I don't know if this is what Luke meant, but we know from other passages that Jesus was totally aware of the prophecy concerning and surrounding him, even prophecy about his followers. Near the end of his life on this earth, Jesus prayed. In John chapter 17, he prayed about his apostles in verse 12. He says, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, which would be Judas. And notice that the scripture might be fulfilled. And the scripture that was Jesus is speaking of was in the Psalms. Psalm 41 verse 9 and Psalm 109 verse 8. These speak about these men that Jesus has to pick, and that he, how he didn't lose any of them except for the son of perdition. Jesus knew he had a decision to make, and he paid attention. He paid attention to the prophecies. He was aware before he made this decision that a decision, a big decision needed to be made, and he was deliberate in making this decision. Number two, in, in, in making a big decision, we need to plan. We need to plan, just like Jesus did. Jesus planned on making this this big decision. This wasn't a haphazard decision. This wasn't just a a snap decision that that Jesus made. No, if if I mean if if it was a snap decision, he could have made it on lower ground, couldn't he? But that's not what the Bible says. Mark and Luke both say that he went up on the mountain to make this decision. Jesus planned and was deliberate he slowed things down a lot of times that was what we need to do folks we need to we got all these things coming at us all at once and we need to slow things down to make better decisions sometimes i need to pay better attention yes i need to plan to make those decisions even if it takes a change of scenery like going up on a mountain notice Luke tells us the reason Jesus went on the mountain. It was to pray. That's the third big principle for making good decisions. The example Jesus gives us is not a hurried example. Like I said, he slows things down. I need to follow Jesus' example in making the big decisions of my life. Don't hurry. Don't hurry. Make sure that I pray about the decisions that I make. Jesus 
who knew that he only had a few finite moments to get things done on this earth. If he knew that about himself, if anyone knew the pressure of time, Jesus did. Jesus knew about pressure. He knew about time. He knew about finite amounts of, amounts of time, just like we do. But yet Luke says Jesus went out into the mountain to pray. And look, and he continued all night. He continued all night in prayer. Of all the steps that are of the utmost importance in making big decisions, this is probably the most important step, and it's the most available step, and it's the most productive step. I may not be able to go to the mountain all the time to make my big decisions, but I can hit my knees most anywhere. I can pray to my God most anywhere. And this, is, and this is what I forget to do most. I don't know about you, but I'll have a big decision and I'll just, I'll just, make, a, I'll just make a determination without, without planning on it. But without, most of the time because I was too lazy to figure out that I had a decision to make. And then I don't pray about it. I just make the decision and guess what? Every time I do, i got to live with it. i got to live with it. If I'm so lazy that I do not petition the most powerful being in the universe before I make a big decision, well, I deserve what I get. I deserve it. <laughs> Dana's grandmother's, her favorite song is, Ere You Left Your Room This Morning. Do you remember that one? Ere You Left Your Room This Morning. And this song exhorts us to pay attention with a, with a planned life. Pray, this song admonishes us to do. The song admonishes us to think. It, re- it reads, Ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? In the name of Christ our Savior, did you sue for loving favor as a shield today? Oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer will change the night today. So when life seems dark and dreary, don't forget to pray. The song continues. When, you're, when you meet a, a great temptation, is the second verse. When your heart is filled with anger, that's the third verse. When, when soul trials come upon you, oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer will change the night today. So when life seems dark and dreary, don't forget to pray. Did you think to pray? All night is our example. A decision like picking the apostles took all night. Parents, how about the well-being of your children? How long should that prayer take? Husbands, wives, for your marriage. If Jesus took all night to pray about the apostles for, for, for your marriage, how long should you take? Elders, the direction of this congregation, how long should that prayer be? How fervent should it be? We need to pray out all the possibilities. That's number four. 
All the possibilities. We need to look at all the possibilities. When we make a decision, we need to list our options and try to think of all the possible decisions. Notice in Mark chapter 3 verse 13 and Luke chapter 6 verse 13, Jesus went out on the mountain and called those he, he wanted, Mark says. Luke says that when it was day, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve. He chose from the disciples twelve. There were more to choose from as I read this. Jesus literally had before him all of his options. In our decisions, we may not be able to have the actual options before us. But we can list them and pray about each and every one of them. All of these possibilities, one of them might be the best One of them might be good. One of them might be the worst. And until we lay them all out, until we look at them all, until we examine them and pray about them, we really don't know. I I wonder how Jesus picked uh, these these apostles. Was it like a pickup game of basketball? You know, was it pickup style? You know, he's got all these these guys out here and he, I want you and I'll take you and I'll take you. You know, I wonder about the last guy. I wonder if he was nervous. Oh man, is he going to pick me, please? And I wonder if the the one that didn't get picked, was he sad? Not only do I believe Jesus prayed about it and had before him all the possibilities, Jesus Jesus was very aware of the pluses and the minuses. We've got to be very aware of the pluses and the minuses of the decisions that we may make. God knows all the hearts of men. Acts chapter 1 verse 24. And Jesus knew Peter, the rock. He knew him. He knew John and James, the sons of thunder. He knew what he was doing when he picked Simon the zealot. And he knew what he was doing when he picked Matthew the tax collector. Two opposing forces. He knew what he was doing. He knew the doubts of Thomas. He knew the willingness of Andrew. And... He knew the treachery of Judas. Oh, how he must have looked at them all in the eye. Especially Judas when later he preached and he teaches his followers about making good decisions and making good decisions on whom to follow. In in Matthew chapter 7 verse 16 through 20, he talks about the wolves. He talks about the false teachers, the minuses of life. And you will know them, if you follow them, you will know them by their fruits. He must have looked them in the eye. And we may not be able to know like Jesus who it is will betray us. And we may not fully understand the pluses and the minuses till the day they happen, but we can still make good decisions if we hold true to number six, our position. We need to hold true to our position on values, Our position on values, which if righteous, they have proven consequences. We can look at 
John chapter 5, verse 19 and see what Jesus' position on making the apostle decision would have been. In John chapter 5, because of the decisions Jesus made, the Jews wanted to kill him. I mean, if, if somebody's wanting to kill you because of the decisions that you've made, most all of us will say, we've been making some bad decisions. But that's not the case in Jesus's, in Jesus's life because he was being consistent with his position. He was being consistent with his values. Verse 19 of chapter 5, Jesus answered, Most surely I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. Jesus was going to do things godly. He was going to do things God's way. That was his position. Those were his values. And nothing was going to deter him from those values. Notice John chapter 5 verse 30. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. If Jesus' position was to do what God wanted in every situation, including picking the apostles, what should my position be? And if I go against this Christian core value system, what, how should I expect major decisions in my life to turn out? If I'm trying to make a family decision, but I'm running around sleeping with everything that moves, My position is not worth anything. And neither will my decision. The decision for my family, it won't be worth anything either. If I'm trying to make a big decision, but I'm going against my values, I'm divided. And I will not stand long. We must make our position God's position on things. Then everything from, from dating to to picking the president will be easier. Now, we've paid attention and we've planned to make a decision. We've, we've slowed things down and we've prayed to God and petitioned Him for help. We've looked at all the possibilities and checked the pluses and the minuses and we're holding fast to our position, our, our values. Our values will not be run over. Now, let's, let's on purpose... Let's on purpose make a decision. We've got a big decision. Hey, let's make a decision. Let's make a positive decision. Let's do it without fear. Jesus called the disciples to him and he purposely, he purposely picked out 12, the Bible says. Jesus made a choice, a choice that he was going to have to live with and as we know the rest of the story, die with. And because he knew this was God's will, on purpose he made his choices and was positive in the choices that he made. How many times have you made a big purchase and regretted it? You know, back when I was selling furniture, uh, we called this buyer's remorse. People would come in and they'd pick out that big sofa or they'd pick out that big bedroom suit or dining room suit and they'd lay the money down and, and they'd wait for it to come. And boy, they were so excited. And when they got it delivered, boy, how many times did I get a call? Can I bring all this back? And they started having buyer's remorse. They started feeling bad about their, 
about their decision. I believe that if we follow the principles of good decision-making shown in the life of Jesus, we'll be able to make decisions on purpose. On purpose we'll be able to make decisions and we'll, we'll be positive about those decisions because we've done it right. We've done it a, a Bible way. Jesus made a choice from all the men that he had and he chose someone like Peter who would ultimately deny him three times. And he, he picked out Thomas who would, who would doubt that he was raised from the dead. And he picked out Judas who would ultimately betray him. Jesus made these decisions on purpose without fear. With God on our side, we can make decisions without fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And when it's all said and done and prayed for, we've made our decision. We're living with it. We're not through. Because like Jesus did with the apostles he picked, we need to consistently, we need to consistently prove our decisions to be the right decisions and evaluate them and examine them. Examine your own work, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. After Jesus picks out the apostles, he continues to prove them. You know, over and over again, 33 times to be exact, we see the phrase, the twelve. After Jesus picks them, the twelve. Over and over again, he's teaching the twelve. Sitting down with the twelve. Eating with the twelve. In Mark chapter 6 verse 7, he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two. Jesus is proving them, training them, evaluating their, their decision and his decisions. Jesus loved Peter's confession in Mark chapter 16. And yet in John chapter 6 verse 70, Jesus answered, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He's all the time evaluating his decisions. I wonder if there are any baptized believing devils in this room. At the supper, Jesus said, one of you will betray me. And it's why we prove ourselves. It's why we examine ourselves before we take of the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. We should examine our decisions at all times. Even our, even our decision to become a Christian. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 says, Test yourself, test yourself if you're truly a believer. To see if you're truly a believer. Prove yourself, Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Prove yourself, test yourself, examine yourself. We need to always be doing that. Jesus paid attention to the available information. Jesus planned on making a decision. Jesus prayed about the decision. Jesus looked at all the possibilities. Jesus looked at the pluses and the minuses. Jesus held firm to his position, his convictions, his values. Jesus made a purposeful decision. And Jesus continued to prove his decisions to be correct. Now, this model will do us no good if we can't, if we can't employ it in our own lives. Okay? So let's apply these principles to some hypothetical common decisions that we might make. Our jobs. Let's take our jobs. Some of you are still working. Take our jobs. There's a decision to be made in your job. Well, pay attention. 
Pay attention. What's, what's the decision that, that has to be made? What are all the ramifications that are around it? And plan for making the decision. I mean, you need to sit down. You need to plan for making a decision about your job, about your career. Pray about the decision. And look at all the possibilities about your job and, 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 and all the ramifications and all the people that are, that are coming to play and, and, and what will happen. Check all the pluses and the minuses. Lay them all out. If this happens, if I do this, what will happen? If it happens and I do this, what will happen? This will force you and, you know, if, if you check the pluses and the minus, especially note if this will force you into something that maybe you wouldn't want to do morally. And there's some things that, you, you know, you make a decision on in your job and it affects you morally. It affects when you come to church or not. We need to really think about those kinds of things. And then make a purposeful, positive decision without fear yet proving and evaluating that decision as it grows and matures. That's, that's just something that we can do for our jobs. Having children. Some of, you, some of you younger folks, maybe one of these days you might want to have children. Maybe some of you older folks are thinking, I might have a, a second, third, or fourth, or fifth one. Why? You want fifth or sixth one? I don't know. But, hey, you might want one. I don't know. If you did, that'd be a big decision, wouldn't it? be a huge decision. Well, there's a decision to be made. You want to have a child or not? Pay attention. Pay attention. Does your wife want to have it? Does, you, does your husband want to? Pay attention and plan for making a decision. Sit down. Pray about it. Pray about that decision. That would be something that you need to pray for. A new child, wouldn't that be something to pray for? Pray about that decision. Look at all the possibilities. Check the pluses and the minuses. Especially note if, if, if something like having a child would, would, would hurt you morally somehow or another. Then make a pers- purposeful, positive decision without fear. And then as the, child, as the child grows, I guess that's when you prove and evaluate the decision that you made. And it's too late, isn't it? You've got to live with that decision, don't you? You could do this for friends. You could do this for school. Could, marriage. Some of you might be thinking about getting married one of these days. Think about it. Pay attention. Does does the person that you would like to get married to, do they want to get married? Pay attention. Plan for something like that. Pray about it. Pray hard about it. I cried to God for Dana. Cried to Him. Begged Him for her. I got her. I'm just kidding. That facial expression won't come through on the tape. Look at all the possibilities. Check the pluses and the minuses. And in, in my situation, there, there were more pluses than there were minuses. I wasn't giving up a position. I, I got to hold true to my values. I got to hold true to my morals. And I, on purpose, we on purpose made a, a positive decision to get married. Now, let's talk about the most important decision you'll ever make if you haven't made it already. This is an eternal decision that you'll have to live with for eternity. Pay attention now. Pay attention. You've got a decision to make. You may have been planning on being baptized for a while and never have. But what better day than today? 
What better day than the day? I and others have certainly been praying for you. And looking at all the possibilities, if you haven't been baptized and Jesus Christ comes back, really there's only, there's only two possibilities. You're either saved or you're lost. And one of these is a plus, that makes it easy, and one of these is a minus. Being saved is a plus. Going to hell is certainly a minus. And you know what position God wants you in, so purpose in your heart that you want to be saved. And prove to God your obedience by being baptized right now as together we stand and sing.